Hey everyone, welcome to the Product Startup Podcast, a podcast that helps bring your product idea to life by chatting with successful inventors, product designers, and other industry professionals. This podcast is run by Macro Design and Invent and hosted by Philip Belecha. Our goal here is to get to the bottom of what makes a product successful, from initial idea to putting your product on the shelf. We're taking you step-by-step step to build a functional product and scale your product business. Now onto the show. The Product Startup, Episode 35. In today's episode, we learn from Paul Potratz about promoting our business after we launch and creating a 90-day advertising strategy on a minimal budget. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Startup Podcast, where we talk about turning ideas into successful products step-by-step. Step. I'm Philip Valitza, and thanks for listening today. In the last episode, I addressed some of the emails I get around procrastination, fear, and limiting beliefs like lack of money, time, or skills. And I also talked about my motivation for launching this site and podcast and for working on my own products. Sorry if you downloaded the episode twice. I exported my audio at one and a half times by accident, and that's the speed I edit at. And I forgot to check the episode before uploading. So now that I've scraped that pterodactyl egg off my face, make sure to check out episode 34 if you've sat on your idea for a while and you haven't done anything with it. Or if you've lost your momentum, that episode is definitely for you. Before we get started, I wanted to highlight one reviewer on iTunes, Johnny32190, who wrote, Finally, a place to learn about the steps needed to start and grow a physical product-based business. There are plenty of podcasts about being an entrepreneur, but only Philips The Product Startup covers the challenges and subsequent solutions unique to having a physical product. Great guests, great information, and I've been binge listening for days. Johnny, thanks for leaving me a note and letting me know what you think of the show. And as always, I appreciate everyone that sends in comments and questions that lets me know how I can make the show better for you. So let's get started. Hi, Paul. Thanks for coming on the show today. Phil, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm really excited to have you on because I think we have similar outlook, at least when it comes to success. I believe in giving content freely and definitely think that the universe will provide there's a large enough slice of pie out there for everybody so i'm happy to have you on the show talking about branding and marketing with us yeah it's my pleasure and uh I agree. I, I think we have the exact same mindset. And uh, it was actually earlier this week, I did a podcast with uh, Bob Berg. I don't know if you've heard of him, but uh, he is the guy, he's the author behind The Go-Giver. And that's his entire strategy. He's, he wrote this book years ago, but a fabulous book, but it talks all about what you and I believe. I'll put that in the show notes for everybody to check out. So uh, we also culminated our corporate careers in the same way. We both worked jobs that we didn't enjoy. And you ended up building your business and podcast through that because you were looking for some entrepreneurial resources yourself that weren't out there. So can you mention that just really quickly? Yeah, uh, definitely. So yeah, years ago when I started the ad agency and uh, it was just me and my dog and that's what I started to call it, doing this dog agency. But uh, I, you know, would go everywhere. I would go to the different organizations and try to learn. And a lot of times the, you know, the established business owners, established agency owners didn't want to share anything. They would keep it secret. And I would go to the different, you know, retired entrepreneurs and I'd ask them about social media and they're like, what's that? So I, I struggled. I feel like I'd be so much farther ad advanced if, you know, I could have really had that help there at that time. And uh, yeah, that's what's led us and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but our newest venture called the growth mindset. 
great that you finished on that point because what we're going to be doing today is covering a branding and marketing strategy for everyone that maybe hasn't started the business off in the right foot or would like some more information about you know coming up with something on their own, especially if they don't have the budget to hire an agency. Can you maybe walk us through a 90-day plan or how you develop some sort of a branding advertising strategy, what the high points would be? The first thing, you know, that that you really have to figure out, and I mean, and we're going through this right now, and you think we would just be able to like, boom, 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 be done on the growth mindset, being that, you know, we're a full-blown ad agency and we work with clients all over the world, but really understanding who is your target audience and what do they want. And, and what I'm getting ready to say, hopefully everybody sticks on these words, and hopefully I can explain it. You might have to translate it, though. But so many times what happens is when we try to build an ad strategy, we try to tell everybody what we know or we try to tell them how great our product is or how beautiful our widget is. But what we really need to do is turn it around and tell people how beautiful our product, our service, or our widget is in the sense that how will it help them either save time, save money, basically improve their life. So that will resonate a lot more than you saying something like, oh, this is a, you know, for example, let's just use a vehicle. Vehicle's got 535 horsepower. Instead, tell how it's going to make you feel emotionally. Right. And you're talking about communicating the benefits instead of the specifications or the features. Right. And, you know, and, you know, so many times we talk about that, you know, are you selling feature? Are you selling benefit? And it seems like when I go to the entrepreneurial groups and I talk to the entrepreneurs and I say that it doesn't really resonate until we really, you know, we get in, we dive in and we start giving them examples and I start showing them how to write copy and, you know, write headlines and, you know, things to put on their website. And, you know, we like websites, for example, you know, we talk about, you know, doing the drunk man test. And uh, what you want to do is, you know, you know, get some of your friends around, get them really drunk and then have them look at your website really quick. Make sure that they're kind of <laughs> brand new friends and then uh, and then, you know, shut the website down and say, OK, what was the website about? And if the drunk guys can't tell you what your website was about, you need to go back to the drawing board. I agree with what you're saying. I have the squinty eye test where I squint my eyes and everything goes blurry. And then the, yep. the things on the page that are most important will pop to you. So I can associate with that. You mentioned making sure that we have the right target audience. And I think this is something that can't be understated because it happens from a product side as well. When you're developing a product, you might not have an accurate picture of who your audience is, or you may end up having to pivot. Can you talk about some ways of, of making sure that we're talking to the right people? Yeah, definitely. So finding your target audience is a lot different than it used to be. I mean, it used to be that we would, oh, I need to buy, you know, adults 25, 54 and income is in this range. I mean, that's the radio, TV, newspaper mentality. But today we have so much more ability to really, really target. And you've, so finding your target audience, for example, let's say you're creating a product for moms, but is it moms with a first child? Is it moms with a second child? Where do these moms live? Where do, the, where do these moms, you know, where do they drive for a vehicle? What kind of income? What kind of profession are they coming from or are they in? What kind of profession is their husband in? So really finding out that target audience. And there's so many ways to do it. You might think you know who the target audience is, but maybe you don't. And ways to find out is really use social media. And start asking the questions and, you know, and that's a great way, a great free way to promote your product and see if it really has any legs, you know, who's going to really latch onto it. So I'll, I'll give you a, a case in point. 
So it was last month I was speaking to a group of entrepreneurs. They're in this uh, type of a, like a startup or whatever, like an incubator thing. And I was talking to this one woman and her idea, and she'd already kind of really put it in, you know, she had her little development project, I guess. I mean, whatever you would call it. She had her product ready to go, her template of a product. And it was a phone case, but the phone case would hold two phones. And I said, all right, you know, and she was asking me, would you like to take one of these and try it and tell me what you think? And I'm like, well, no, not really, because uh, I don't like putting my phone into a case. But what I did is I did a Facebook live video with her explaining the phone case. And I was asking her about the different materials and, you know, could I put a, a smaller iPhone in a larger iPhone? Does it work for a droid? But I posted that on Facebook and asked the question, would you use this? And then it was interesting to see the people that were commenting, yes, I would, yes, I would, no, I wouldn't, that's stupid. You know, some people are kind of nasty about it. But that can help you open up an opportunity and find those individuals that can more or less be your, I guess you can say, you know, I'll, I'll steal the word, could be a tribe for you and talk about the product and do some test studies. Yeah, and that really is kind of the first step, right? Because if you don't have any positive response or some affirmation that you're going the right direction, I mean, this is not even people taking their wallet out for you. They're just paying attention to what you're doing on social media and hitting a like button or commenting. And so if you feel that you're not even getting that type of response, to me, it sounds like you might not have the right audience. What would you do in that type of situation? Well, I, I think one of the things that I've learned, you know, as social is growing, I keep on talking about social, 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 but is to create a tremendous amount of noise on social. And I don't mean noise in the negative sense of the manner, but find, you know, keep on talking to the people, finding the different groups and, you know, that's one of the recommendations that I gave her. I said, go into the different groups, go into the entrepreneur groups, go into the sales groups, go into the real estate groups and, and just ask the question, would you use a product like this? And she's like, oh, that's a good idea. So that's what I'll do. And I said, you, you can end up finding that niche market that will really like your product and it will just fit in their daily life or the way they're doing, you know, life and business and everything else. And once you find that niche, you'll be able to grow within that group. And then who knows, you know, we've all heard about the tipping point. There could be possibly a tipping point, but this would give you a great way to say, you know what, I, I think I'm onto something. I've got an idea. But after you go through all of these various groups, and again, think about groups, and you're not getting anywhere with it, chances are your product probably needs to go back to the drawing board. The hardest part there is to know if you have the wrong audience or the wrong product. Mm -hmm. And differentiating between the two and knowing when you have to push forward versus go back a step and maybe refine the product or service of it. Yeah. And, uh, and she asked the same thing. She goes, well, if I do that, how do I know that I'm hitting the right audience? And I said, well, I think, you know, I said, what do you do in the evening? And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, after you get home and everything else. And she said, well, I fixed dinner and all that. And then finally she got to the point where, you know, then I, I watch TV and I was like, all right, well, get your iPad out and start. There's thousands and thousands of groups. And I was just giving her because she has no budget. And so I was just giving her ideas. And I said, there's thousands and thousands of groups. Start finding the group. Start thinking about the different friends that you have and the profession that they're in, their chosen career, and start finding the group that, you know, that you have, that you think your friends could be in and start posting that video of that product review in there and asking for input because people love to help. People love to give advice. And this would be a great way 
you know, once you start seeing which group is interacting, now you can see what does this person look like in this group? Are they male? Are they female? How old are they? So it can give you a really good feeling of, you know, where am I going with this before you start spending money on, you know, let's say pay-per-click or, you know, websites or, or whatever, you know, the strategies that need to be part of your product, depending on what you're, who you're trying to reach. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. You mentioned that knowing your audience is probably one of the first steps that you need to establish a brand and, and coming up with a marketing strategy. What are some of the continuing steps? Let's assume that you've got a 90-day strategy. The first thing you want to do on that product is you want to figure out that product. What is the, going to be the unique benefit to the individual that's going to be interested in? In other words, how's it going to save them time, save them money? How's it going to make them feel different? You've got that. Find your target audience. Now that you have your target audience, Look at what they're saying about the product. Really find out, you know, what, what they're saying. That can be that can help you reestablish what you, how you're going to promote your product and what you're going to say about your product because you might think it's going to fix a problem that you, the whole reason you developed it, but other people start talking about the problem it's going to fix for them. So now you're getting more or less your one-liners, your your call to actions, your you know the things that you're going to use in promoting that product. And then you keep on working that group where you build that group. And then the next step is get a website up. You know, if either a website or if you don't have the money to get a website, do a Facebook page that's specific to your group and start growing the audience in your group. This is the key to everything: is grow the audience. So now as you're growing the audience in that group, you've got to make sure that you have consistency. A lot of times I see people that will post, you know, once a week, once every three days, or they say, I don't want to overshare, start oversharing and start talking about how, you know, your development of your product, if you're going through development or talk about how it's helping people. So you're constantly posting in that group, you're creating interaction, find some people that are in that group that you would you call it like your social lions, the individuals that have a lot of followers or and not necessarily followers, but have a, a number of followers. But when they're commenting, when they're talking about stuff, people are engaging them. So find the individuals. It's pretty easy to do. See the individuals that have good engagement on what they do and see if they'll sample the product. See if you can send that product to them. Or if you don't have a product, let's say that you have a service because, you know, most of my clientele is a service then get them on the phone and talk to them and see if you can become a consultant, see if you can help them, see if you can kind of give them a sample to your service because you want to make them the spokespeople of what's going on. And now once you have you start to establish there, now you've got moderators for your Facebook page or your Facebook group, and they can keep the discussion going and, and everything going with that. So that's... you know the way I would start it out. And that's going to take you a 90 day process before you start spending any money. But there's one thing that I would say definitely set up and that would be your Facebook retargeting. And, uh, you know, I think it's pretty exciting. Instagram's coming out with shoppable ads. It won't be available to the general public yet, but it's coming out soon. Yeah, I saw that the other day. Uh, and you alluded to one thing you know, as you're talking to your audience, getting some of that feedback in their words. And I found that to be really helpful in marketing is repurposing some of their terminology back in your own marketing because some of the uh, words that I might be using, and especially for myself because I might be overtly technical, might not translate as well as someone that's part of that audience. Right, yeah. And it's so many times I see so many businesses do that that, they think they know what the, their product or service is filling in someone's life, what it's doing for them, but uh, they're, they're, you know, a little bit off. So, yeah, you definitely want to start listening. 
So what are your thoughts about having, talking about engagement now, about having one of those chat boxes on the side of your site that links up to your phone and you can try to engage people that land on your website? In addition to connecting with people on Facebook, you might have some traffic already coming into your site. How would you try to get the feedback from people that are visiting your page? Even though your bounce rate might be low, you might not be getting any interest or sales. Well, with chat, uh, you know, we've definitely, we've used chat for a number of years and so have our clients. The hard part with chat, you've got two different types of chat. You, chat. you have managed chat or where someone else does it outside of your office. They handle your chat for you. And then you've got chat that, of course, you're going to handle in your office. Where we've run into difficulty, though, with that is we're, very, we're a very impatient society now that we can't even wait 30 minutes for a pizza. So if you're going to have chat, you've got to make sure that you're going to manage it and, you know, have it on all of your devices. And even then you're going to miss some of the opportunities. So one of the things that we taught that we've been playing with and using is a program called Hotjar and uh, Hotjar is free to start and then really inexpensive after that. But it allows you the opportunity to also have like polls and surveys and that's a that's a great way to engage the audience on your website because now you can you can build all these different polls and surveys specific to the page or where they're at specific when they get ready to leave how long they spend on the website how many times have they visited the website those type of things so now you can start to get that engagement you can ask for their email address but you think about it the vast majority of websites that you go to are really a glorified business card that it doesn't engage with an individual. It's just like, oh, I'm going to go there and I'm going to read stuff. But people want to engage. And with a survey, you can start to ask, you know, when you're creating a survey, you can ask questions and say, oh, you know, more or less, hey, we're going to do, uh, here's, take this quick survey and we're going to tell you which product you should get or which service you should get, you know. So kind of think about it this way. I'm going to kind of give you an analogy. That if I was to go to a website and it was a weight loss website, um, or, you know, a get healthy website, if they had a survey that asked me the question so I could tell you specifically what I'm wanting to do, maybe it's, you know, I want big arms and I want a six pack, but I don't really care if I have little skinny legs. So having a survey for me to tell somebody that will make a world of difference because now I feel like that they understand where I'm coming from and they'll engage, you know, it, it would just be much more of an engagement level instead of a one size fits all. I hope that made sense. Yeah, you're trying to basically substitute for two way communication or, you know, encourage people to kind of give some feedback and you give them something in return. How do you incentivize people to take that survey? Because, and the reason I ask is because I've got a survey on the side of my site mm -hmm. for this, for this exact reason, because I wanted to segment my audience properly. There's a lot of listeners of the product startup that come from different backgrounds. I have a pretty decent amount of traffic to the site, but until now I've only had 18 people take the survey and it's a single question survey where it's visible in the right bar, you hit a button and click OK and that's it. What would you do to encourage more people to interface with your site and with some of these things that you're putting up? Right. So I would do testing. I would do, you know, we talk about A-B testing, multivariate testing. Mm -hmm. So I would come up with different ways because, you know, in the right hand, because, you know, like one of the ones that we have on our website, or my website, actually, on the Paul Fotrat's website, it's on the bottom, which is through Hotjar, and it's on the bottom right-hand corner. But a lot of times people don't really see it. And we are so click-happy, too, that when we do see it, we don't take time to read it. And we just like, oh, make that go away real quick. And like just what we do with chat. 
So as you're writing your content, as you're doing your podcast, as you're, if you're doing blogs, whatever it is, and, you know, really kind of interject that into your, your podcast, you know, below your podcast, you know, where you have a call to action button, but you have to turn the messaging around. If they take time to do the survey, how's it going to benefit them? What am I going to receive? Because the vast majority of people come, you know, we're all this way. We're all selfish and we're like, I ain't got it. I don't have any time. I don't have time for that. Just give me what I want. So you've got to turn the messaging around of what's going to be the benefit to them, but play with it, move it around your website, put it into your content. And uh, not only that, use it in social media, you know, post on social media, you know, what is take the survey. And then that way you can start understanding. You'll, you'll see a lift in it basically. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of surveys, I'm a fan of keeping them short and sweet. So what do you think is the ideal length for a survey and the types of questions that you should ask to get the most value out of people taking their time out? I think it's all in relation to what am I going to get at the end of the survey? So if it's, if it's a survey that's going to benefit me as the business owner, which of course it is, but you know, if, if, it, if there's no way I can spin it around and say, if you take this survey, that this is what's going to be the benefit to you. For example, one of the surveys that we offer is a website report card. And uh, with the website report card they have, I think it's 12 questions that they've got to answer. And then uh, we do the rest of the work. But that 12 questions will take them probably 12 to 15 minutes to fill in. And uh, we have to pull it down because we get so many, you know, people filling in the information because we tell them at the end of the survey, after you answer all these questions, we're going to do an evaluation of your website. We're going to come back and tell you how you can increase the leads to your website. So it's... Wow. So, so you really got to, you know, think about, think about it that way. It's all specific to that. And uh, it's like, I have a friend that has a membership website and uh, boy, his survey is painful. And I try, well, I have, I've gone through it because he said, can you go through and do the survey for me and, and see what you think? And I came back and I was like, Daryl, boy, that thing's horrible. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, but I'm not really interested in your product you know, the, or your service is what you're offering. And so it's kind of hard for me to gauge it. So let's just gauge it on people coming to your website and uh, people come to his website. He's around 38% completion on his survey. Wow. That's really high. Yeah, it really is. But it's so painful. And I mean, the questions are stupid too. And I, we laugh about it. Can you share what the incentive is for people to fill out that survey? Just to see if you can join his membership website. Huh. That, that's really what it is to see if you're a real man. <laughs> nice yeah it's crazy i don't get it but oh well you know it, it works for him well while we're talking about surveys for a while it was really popular on facebook and some of these other sites to share these quizzes that people would take to find out you know what your favorite color is or are you a this type of person or what's your celebrity match mm -hmm. and that used to go viral so are you recommending to put in a, an angle that's enticing in a certain way or can you just be your business without having to pull any pull tricks? Yeah. <laughs> I think it depends on your business model, you know, you're, you're really not your business model, but the brand that you have. I mean, is your brand a higher level, more professional brand, you know, that, that you're promoting? Cause you've got to really figure out what is your persona that you're going to have. And if it's uh, you know, like Daryl's is like in your face and, you know, rough and gruff and, you know, he uses foul language and all that. And that's not me. So I think it can, you know, you know, you know, his, you know, are you a pansy, boo boo, whatever. And so it works for him. So I think, it, you know, the business owner has to decide on, 
on what it is. Granted, I mean, you you have to really understand your clientele or prospective clientele and what are the problems, you know, what are their struggles? And you can be very blatant about that. You know, like with, you know, we have one that's running now for our ad agency for Potrats and it says, uh, are you tired of, you know, are you trying, are you tired of trying to come up with creative ideas or something like that? So, I mean, but we keep everything, you know, professional and, you know, just addressing the problems, you know, I have a hard time coming up with creative ideas. I'm, uh, I'm tired of, you know, wasting ad dollars and, you know, those type of things. So that's the direction we go in our messaging versus, you know, let me give you seven ways to be able to, you know, create pennies, you know, create leads for pennies on the dollar. Granted, we've done webinars like that that's done really well, but, you know. So do you think that type of strategy when you're advertising your product fits luxury products as well or products that have maybe the the value is a soft type of value? It might be harder to differentiate a product. Let's say you're advertising perfume or it's uh, something a bit more esoteric. Boy, it's such a... It's kind of a hard question, really, because you can see successes in both. And I'm trying to remember the name of the cologne. There's this uh, cologne that's out there, and they call it uh, the world's most expensive cologne. And, uh, boy, I wish I could remember the name of it because I actually have a bottle of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it, it it's pricey. It's definitely pricey, but... Just, and I mean, the bottling, you know, the way it's bottled and it's in a gold bottle, it's got that very, uh, you know, I guess, Trump feel and it's just <laughs> like, eh. And, uh, but, you know, the world's most expensive cologne, a billion dollar cologne or something stupid like that, but it smells good, but I almost didn't buy it because I'm not drawn to that type of, you know, oh, look, you know, look at me and my, you know whatever my yeah, name, whatever name, high-end brand you want to do. So, so I, I think it's, again, it's back to who do you, who do you want to target? Who's your market? I mean, cause if you go to Instagram, which amazes me, you go to Instagram and you see all these different billionaire luxury Instagram feeds and all that. And they've got, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of followers and people showing their Lamborghinis and all that, but that wouldn't appeal to me. So who do you want to appeal to? Yeah, and I think what's interesting there, too, is that a lot of the people that are following these brands don't have the money for a Lamborghini. And so there's a set of consumers that want to be included in a certain group, but they're not. How does that work with marketing? Well, I have a, a friend of mine that's very successful and the way he markets himself. And uh, so he talks about, I mean, he was on his uh, last book was 10X. And uh, we've done, you know, workshops and conferences together and it's 10X, 10X. I don't know if you know him, Grant Cardone. And, uh, but he has quite the following and, uh, you know, how to make millions on the phone and how to be a millionaire and, you know, become a millionaire and don't be a, you know, don't be a bitch and don't be a sissy and all this stuff. It's like, wow, really? But it works great for him. And then you kind of, so it makes you wonder. Is a, you know, there's that type of clientele and he's selling his training courses and everything else for, you know, well, generally it's around a thousand dollars for a training course. And, uh, right now he's doing 90% off or something. I don't know. So I, I, you know, it's kind of hard. And I think you just have to pick, what are you comfortable with? 
you know, how do you want to position your product? How do you want to position your brand and just go after it and don't waffle and, and stay, you know, full steam ahead. No, I'm definitely familiar with Grant Cardone. He's got quite a huge following. While we're talking about that, is there a place for an entrepreneur, a small business owner's beliefs or their their moral and value compass? You know, as we're building products, it's usually something that speaks to you because the problem that you're solving is close to you. But now as you're going out marketing, you may find that your audience wants to be marketed in a certain way and it doesn't really match your values. How do you line that up? Well, I think you and I talked about this last week, though, that there's break the audience into thirds. There's a third of the audience that's going to love you, uh, you know, that you can really talk to. Mm. There's a third of the audience that could be swayed to love you or hate you. And then there's a third of the audience that's going to hate you. So pick the third that you want to go after and just make sure that the third that you're going after is the don't do it for the money. Do it for what makes you, and I mean, you know, some people are going to go, the money makes me happy. Well, money's only part of it. If you're doing everything for money, I really don't think you're going to be as successful as you could be. So do it for much more than money. And, you know, if, if it's, if it truly is a good product or if it is a good service, there's a third of that audience out there that's just waiting for you to come to market with it and reach them. And it's not going to happen overnight. But, you know, you have to make sure you're day in, day out going after it. You know, don't go for three weeks and have some success and then decide that you're going to party for the next two weeks. You got to keep on going after it and going after it and you will grow it. I mean, there's a there's only a, you know, so many homes that you can own and so many cars you can drive. So you've got to decide, you know, are you going to sleep well at night? And if it truly makes you happy and brings you enjoyment and fulfillment, you will be successful. I subscribe to that for sure. So thanks for uh, sharing that. We were talking about our 90-day strategy here. With that 90 days that we have, we said we're going to create a website or create a Facebook page, start having conversations with people in our target audience, start refining our marketing message, and maybe even start advertising to see if people will convert, will come to our site. How would you scale that from that point? Let's say you had a $1,000 budget just for the sake of scale, because you can add zeros to that. How would you chop up that budget in terms of what you would spend money on in the beginning? Like what's most important to get right? Oh, boy. It's going to be a hard one because it depends when someone is listening to this podcast and how far out they are. So asking me that today at this time, the way I would spend the money, because let's be honest, thousand dollar budget's not a whole lot, and uh, I mean it might be you know it it is a lot, but it's not a lot when you're trying to reach at scale. So I mean, be you know, don't anybody get insulted by that. But I would focus that money again, and it depends on. And I hate saying that it depends. It depends, but it depends on the product or service you're selling. But I think the best bang for your buck right now is probably Facebook. And the way Instagram is coming on strong since Facebook owns it, I think Instagram could be a, a very good tool for you and one that we've been playing with for a while. And we've had, you know, success hasn't been phenomenal, but it, it's definitely been a return on investment is Pinterest. 
Yeah, that's a very good point. I think it's something that we didn't touch on also is that each social network has their own particular demographic. I mean, even though you can find almost everybody on Facebook, Instagram responds really well to certain types of people or products and businesses Mm -hmm. better than, you know, some of the other networks, Pinterest the same. So definitely know where your audience is hanging out. Yeah. And there's one thing I want to add to that, though, too, that here I am, you know, I'm talking about all the technology and such. But I think, you know, something that's critically important that you've got to, you need to really, really invest in in the early and don't be like me, you know, like, oh, let's, let's find the newest, the, you know, the newest and the best is a CRM. And I think most business owners miss out on that, that they need a, a customer relationship management tool. And you don't have to go to the high dollar expensive ones. There's a lot of them out there that are like $30 a month. And there's even some that are, are free or, you know, $5 a month, $10 a month. But get a CRM of some type and make sure that you are a very, very diligent and every business card you get, every person that you meet, every time you go and speak somewhere, you know, offer, you know, email me for my presentation, you know, any opportunity you can get to gather individuals information, do it and make sure it gets into that CRM and spend time before you start building that CRM, knowing that you don't want just email addresses. You want to know their name. You want to know their email address. You want to know their address. So now you can start seeing where are you having success, depending if you're selling nationwide or, you know, worldwide or whatever. So get all of the information that you can get. If you can get their mobile number, definitely, definitely get their mobile number because you can do, as you start to expand, you can do what's called like a ringless voicemail drop. And there's nothing better than old fashioned phone, picking up the phone and calling somebody too. So CRM is something that's, and I'd say, the CRM is something that you need to get way early. Like that should be number two right after you get your business cards printed. And I assume all that is after you have your website up and everything like that. Honestly, if if I was sitting here listening to this podcast and I was thinking, you know what, I'd like to start a business or eventually I'm going to start a business, you need to start a CRM like as soon as you finish listening to this podcast and start researching, find a CRM and start building that database. And ideally, if you can find a CRM that has really good social media integration that will start pulling people from Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and so on and so forth, that's engaging with your content. So you can build a list of influencers, individuals that are engaging with your content and have an audience that's engaged with them, know who those individuals are and start establishing that conversation, start knowing who they are, start talking to them more and and continue to do that. Because then when it's time to launch that product or launch that service, if you have that audience to go to that knows you, you're going to go so much further, so much faster. Until now, I thought CRMs were really for high dollar services or larger products. I wouldn't have never thought it was something that would be useful for someone that's selling, you know, their own, you know, cake mix online or something. Yeah. And I mean, and we talked about it offline and I'll just mention that to talk about the, the why you need a CRM, you know, I'll harp on that forever. But, you know, it was for years that, you know, I worked at radio stations from the point of being a sales guy and, you know, who has radio and TV because I popped around. I started an ad agency world first, but I started working with a CRM and the CRM I used, I don't even know if it's in existence anymore, is called ACT. And uh, so I used ACT as my CRM that I would load on my PC and, you know, with a a CD. And, uh, but, you know, I've carried that, that CRM as it's went through. And I mean, it's been through so many different, you know, programs to run it. 
But uh, when I finally, you know, said, all right, I'm going to start my ad agency, I had an email database of like 275. And uh, some of those email addresses were still Juno. I don't know if you remember that. But uh, so I, I had 275 email addresses and I started emailing that database when I started rolling out my video series to the point now that we've built it and built it and built it that we're, you know, over 211,000 contacts. But I can pull up my CRM and I can see where people are located. I can see what part of the world they're in, where are they engaging with the content and so on and so forth. And again, we talked about this offline, but doing that, that CRM and by me out there making noise has given me the opportunity to where I've been to Paris, France. I've been to, you know, Denmark. I've been to Germany. I've been to Australia. You know, I've been to Puerto Rico. I've been all through Canada and I go there and I speak. And that's because of that CRM and working that CRM. Yeah. And by working that CRM, you mean just tickling that file every X amount of time and sending emails to people to say, hey, you know, here's something that's I found that's interesting for you or, you know, thanks for sharing this or that. Here's something else. Is that what you're saying by working your CRM? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I would always try to come up with creative ways. Like when I was the radio sales guy, what I would do is, uh, you know, I had the CRM. Of course, there was a lot of fax numbers in there at that time. And I used to do a fax blast and uh, it would come out. It would start on Friday evening and go all through the weekend because the database had just kept on growing and growing and growing. And I would do what's called the Monday morning memo. So they would show up and uh, somewhere, some, it was on some fax machines and I know that's old school. And it was in some people's email accounts. And my Monday morning memo was just where I would write a story. And it could be a story about anything. It could be a story about something that my dog did. It could be a story about, you know, my perspective on life and happiness or whatever it might be. It wasn't a sales pitch. It was just a story. Well, at the end, it would be a sales pitch. And it's like, hey, if you enjoyed my story, you know, um, be sure and give me a call so we can talk about your marketing, advertising, whatever it was. And uh, so I could feed my dog. And, uh, you know, so they would, people got used to having that to the point now. I mean, you know, years ago, that's where I started doing my video podcast, Think Tank Tuesday. And it happens every Tuesday and it it's regardless. I mean, every single Tuesday and it's happened for years, whether I'm doing it or if I have one of, you know, my coworkers do it, but people expect to receive it. And uh, I have a very, so it's every week and my unsubscribes is extremely low and there's a lot of people that will share it. And a lot of, you know, every week I'm getting more and more and more signups. So do something that's going to help the person when you're working that CRM, instead of making it a sales pitch, make it where it's a resource where they're going to, they're going to look forward to it coming and they're going to open it up, whether it's a video, whether it's just an email, whatever it might be. And then you can see how they're in, you know, you can get more advanced as you move on. You know, you can use something like MailChimp and uh, which has a CRM in it and also watches the behavior when they come to your website. So now you can start reaching out to those individuals when they come to your website, and have a conversation with them. Yeah. So that's interesting that you say that because, uh, so you were one of the original newsletter senders. Yeah. Fax blasters, <laughs> uh, fax spammers, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Speaking about that outdated technology, what do you think that works today that didn't before or the other way around? What has maybe worked before that doesn't today? And for everyone listening, we're recording this at the end of 2016. So keep that in mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, if we have people that are listening right now and if they're old school marketers, meaning radio, TV, or newspaper, think about that form of advertising. That form of advertising is an interruption advertising. You've got to do whatever you can do to get their attention in the first three seconds 
So that's that type of advertising. But a lot of times what happens is when individuals start, you know, into new media, meaning your website, your email marketing, your social media post, you know, those type of things, there's still a lot of individuals that are trying to be an announcer, trying to announce and trying to spam and, and grab somebody's attention. You need to turn that around and think about what the internet is. The internet, we call it the information superhighway. Thank goodness to Al Gore, right? And so if it's the information superhighway, I mean, how do we use that tool? And if, if we're going on, when we go online, we're going to research, we're going to find out more information. We're not going to be sold. We're going to be educated. So that's what you need to do on your website. You need to educate on the website. On Facebook, we're going to be engaged. We want interesting stories. I mean, so many times you, you see businesses out there that, you know, they'll have a, a customer that will do a purchase and they'll take a picture of that customer and go, oh, look, you know, Mary Jane and, you know, Jack just purchased blank and they don't even tag the the couple, you know, they haven't even connected with them and tagged them so all their friends and family can see it. Instead, turn that around, A, tag them so their friends and family can see it and tell a story. Why did they buy from you? How did you fix a problem? I mean, let them tell the story though. And then you go to Instagram. Why do we go to Instagram? We go there to see really cool pictures. And so many times I go to Instagram and I'm like, really? What were they thinking? Why did they post a picture of that? That's a picture like what I would see in the newspaper. So get creative with your pictures. Get creative with your storylines. And, you know, the truth of it, the truth of it all is you've got to use a lot of different platforms to reach people because that's how you create frequency. It's not frequency the way it used to be. Oh, I'm going to run a frequency of three on TV or a frequency of three on radio. Now you, you've, you've got to hit people on a lot of different platforms. It's a lot of work, but you know, the cost is time. It's not necessarily money as much. You mentioned frequency of three. You mean people saw that particular ad three times. Yeah. And that's old school thinking because, uh, it's kind of interesting. Five years ago, if you were doing radio or TV, you would say, oh, you get a frequency of three. But uh, we're getting bombarded with so many ads now. For you to cut through the clutter, you've got to hit a frequency of 21. Who can afford that now? Yeah, and I, even on Facebook, the natural organic stuff that used to get eyeballs doesn't anymore. No. Uh, you know, Facebook has been prioritizing live video, then recorded video, then photo posts, for example, and then text posts, and then maybe links last, depending on what your friends engage in, or at least that's been my experience. Yeah, mine too. It's been frustrating because really what Facebook has turned into, for me anyway, it's been a way for me to connect to my target audience if I want to have conversations with them, um, and maybe to do some targeted advertising. But in terms of a publishing platform or a place where I can put articles or content and get feedback that way. It just hasn't been there for me. Yeah. Well, they're forcing you, you have to spend money now. So one of the things that we do like with our, you know, and what we'll do like where you and I did the podcast is uh, we do what's called custom audiences. So with a custom audience, you take your email database, hence another reason you want to build a CRM. You take that email database and why you want to have those mobile numbers in there. You go into Facebook, you can upload it in the back, you create a custom audience. It will try to find those individuals based on their email address and their mobile number. So now all those individuals that are in your database will see your social media post that you put into a custom audience and you boosted it. Mm. And then you can do what's called a lookalike audience too. So you're targeting your, your custom audience of people that are in your database that 
or your target market that have shown interest, expressed interest, downloaded white papers off your website or product guides or whatever it might be. And it will go out and say, okay, well, if these, what are other individuals like these that have the same interests, the same hobbies, the same profiles, the same income, so on and so forth. So that's a great way to increase your audience and your reach. And it's right now, it's still pretty low cost. Yeah, it definitely depends on the audience size. So taking back a step, I think we mentioned installing the Facebook tracking pixel. Definitely do that if you haven't already, mm-hmm. because it's going to take days to get all that data. The reason for that is because Facebook wants to anonymize the data that's coming back. And so it needs a certain amount of data before it can show you that custom audience that you've created. Uh, when I've tried to extrapolate that audience out and target all visitors of my site within 90 days and create a lookalike audience from that, the audience just ends up being massive. Mm-hmm. And I find that my ads are way less effective than a really targeted audience in a certain area. How would you chop that up so it's getting more bang for the buck? So what I've done is uh, back into my CRM again. So I look into my CRM and where are we having the best, you know, really, I, I guess the best interaction, the best engagement. What part of the country? Is there a city? Is there a state? Is there a country? And does that match up with where we're trying to sell, where we're trying to promote? Maybe we want to have a conference there or whatever it might be. So based on that information, so that helps us bring the audience down. So it's not, oh, look, we're targeting, you know, 2 million people. Instead, we're targeting a much more specific audience. And then you constantly have to be doing different ads and testing, testing, testing and see which ones are going to get the highest engagement. But then I would also supplement that with Facebook Live videos. That's been pretty successful for a number of our clients. I need to do a better job of it. But uh, in Facebook Live videos, it's coming really fast that you're going to be able to do ads within the Facebook Live video too. But Facebook Live, it's free. Why not use it? I mean, it's we used to use the the pitch so many times when I sold radio and TV. It's like let me tell you how our audience is. We've got X number of people in our audience. And uh, if I could give you a megaphone and you could stand in the middle of the Coliseum and you could tell everybody about your business to, you know, 2000 people, would you do it? And they're like, Oh yeah, I would do it. Well, that's what you can do with Facebook live. Yeah. If you're connected to the right people, I, I suppose. Um, or how does that work? It's basically your friends see that notification. Cause I'm always notified of people going live on my feed. Mm-hmm. I think it's just people that I follow or pages that I subscribe to or who sees that feed. It's supposed to be individuals that you're connected with. So your friends that you're connected with is what it's supposed to be. But you know, what's interesting though. There's been a, well, every time that I go and do a Facebook live video, there's people that come in and start watching the video that I'm not even connected to. So how they're seeing it, I don't really know. But uh, it's like Grant and I, we were, t- we were talking about this because we've done conferences and everything. And his philosophy is just throw it all against the wall. It's free. Why aren't you doing it? For example, right now, you know, because I've got a podcast coming up with him. There's no doubt he's going to have a camera running. He's going to have, you know, Instagram video running. He's going to have Facebook live running. He's going to have everything, every social site he can have running focused on when we're doing the podcast to increase his audience. Yeah, just be everywhere. Be everywhere. And I mean, he's to the point that people are like, oh, man, I'm so tired of seeing him. But he just, and, but I, I don't know what's wrong with me, my hesitation. Because really, I'm an introvert. I'm shy. But, you know, and that's what we need to do as business owners is create a ma- just a massive amount of noise. But you want to make sure that that noise as much as possible is a resource, is a benefit to the people watching it, that they're like, oh, that's good information. 
Excellent tips, Paul. We're nearing the end of the show here. So could you tell everybody how they could find you and get more information about your podcast and your business? Sure. Um, so I'll give them the, the, probably the easiest way is just to do a search for me. My first name, Paul, and the last name, Potrats, which if you spell pot rats and put a Z on the end, you'll have it, which is P-O-T-R-A-T-Z. So just do that search and then you'll find the you know, our, well, my website, go there, check it out or social media of choice. Cause I am a social media prostitute the best I can be. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks. Phil. Thank you very much, sir. Here are three takeaways that we can apply to our businesses. Number one, benefits versus features and specifications. So oftentimes we're neck deep in our businesses and we talk to friends, spouses, other family members and have code about some specific detail of our products. It's really easy to get lost in the specifications and we talk about all the ingredients, how the sausage is made, and not really how it tastes. I need to make a conscious effort to switch gears when I talk to potential customers about my products and services. And I really need to make sure that I lead with the benefit to that person or company. How will this product save them more time or money or bring them more joy to their life? What urgent need am I solving? This is really how we should be leading conversations with our target market. Number two, DIY validation. As Paul illustrated, it's technically not difficult to get feedback on our product ideas and get the word out about our business, even on a minimal budget. We can strike up conversations with our target market and get their thoughts without asking leading questions. I do this as much as I can on the product startup, and the emails and Skype calls I've had with many of you shape how this show sounds today. It's the same with my product on Amazon. I use a service to send an email to customers when my product ships, and I follow up after receipt of delivery. Even with some tweaks, I get maybe 10 emails a week on 200 orders. But I know I wouldn't be able to improve on the design of the product otherwise. There's just no way to get that info without speaking to customers directly. It's definitely worth the time and effort to parse through the noise. We just have to sit down and do it. Number three, you can't please everyone. Pick the one-third of your audience that makes you happy and push forward. We all know that if we take a stance on something, chances are some people won't agree with it. Product design is really no different. We're putting our opinion, our view of the solution out there. And from where I'm sitting, building a business is hard. So I don't want to overcomplicate my life by working with people who don't appreciate what I'm putting out or even worse, turning into someone that I'm not and forcing myself to keep up appearances. I love the classic Churchill quote, you have enemies, good. That means you've stood up for something sometime in your life. So if you've got any questions or comments, I've put all the links that we've covered under the show notes posted on theproductstartup.com slash 35. Join me next week as I speak with Gavin Chrisman. He's the co-founder of Green and Blue, a product design company based in Southwest England. Green and Blue creates a beautiful range of innovative award-winning products for wildlife and nature. And we're going to take a closer look at their work in ceramics and concrete. So tune in next week to hear that episode. Have you brought your own physical product to market or do you know someone that has? Let me know. Drop me a note by going to theproductstartup.com or emailing me at philip at theproductstartup.com. I'd love to have you on the show. So thanks again for joining me today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast, the show that teaches you what it really takes to bring your product to market and turn it into a big success. This podcast series is brought to you by Maco Design and Invent, the first firm in North America to provide global caliber end-to-end -end physical consumer product development to startups, inventors, and small product businesses. 
If you're looking for product development help on your invention, head over to macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com for a free consultation from one of Mako Design's four design studios from coast to coast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.